0: to another episode of Top Shelf Nerds, the show for nerds by nerds about nerds. I am DJ, and with me today is the Professor and Buck. Our fellow nerd is off on assignment, and we'll be back as soon as possible. So let's get this show on the road, and let's begin with the first topic, which is um, the, stars. the stars. Yeah, the first stars formed in the universe. This is you brought this up, Professor. So what's it about?
1: There's a uh... A satellite in the Atacama Desert, the Atacama Large Millimeter Submillimeter Array, which is a radio telescope of 66 high-precision antennas. This is a kind of telescope they split them up these days because it turns out that having lots of small telescopes along a wide area gives you a much larger, effective telescope dish than having one absolutely giant telescope. So you know that one from the end of uh, Goldeneye? Yeah. That's not the way they go anymore, they... These days they build lots of smaller antennas. So the,
0: so, it gives it, so it gives the um, image in multiple angles?
1: Yeah, sort of. And you can combine that and get an effective giant dish. There was a project, don't remember if it got assigned, but uh, we had a square, square kilometre array pathfinder in Australia. They were considering either Australia or Africa because those are two countries with big enough deserts to put this stuff in where they won't get much radio in. And the idea was a square kilometer of smaller radio telescopes every 100 meters or however far. And that would give you an effective dish size of like a kilometer across. Hmm. So they've Mm -hmm. used one of these uh, fancy telescopes to look at the galaxy MAX 1149-JD1 and found the oldest known oxygen in the universe.
0: Wow. Uh, When you say oldest, is this predating the Big Bang?
1: No, that's physically impossible. But it is about 250 million years after the Big Bang that the first stars were formed because the, the Big Bang scattered out a bunch of hydrogen at time combined into stars. And when a star dies, it fuses different elements and creates everything you see. Everything in the universe came out of a star burning hydrogen. Okay. So this is from uh, an early star that fused oxygen
0: so fusing to star fusing with oxygen that's because i know because okay the first question might be saying like our sun is also our sun fusing has our sun fused with oxygen uh
1: possibly i'm not sure but um basically what happens is there's hydrogen uh according to this article hydrogen helium and a trace amount of lithium and a bunch of radiation left over from the big bang so the uh the radiation is the cosmic background radiation that's what is left of that. But the clouds of hydrogen drifted around space hundreds of millions of years. And then just due to chaos, the laws of physics, gradually they started clumping together. And as they clump, they attract more and more hydrogen and helium from around them. And when you get enough pressure from a large enough gas cloud, it ignites into a star. Which is where it begins fusing two hydrogen into a helium atom. It's uh so Nuclear physics, basically, is all based on um, this stuff. What we do is using other isotopes, but it's the same principles as what's going on inside the sun. And over time, it converts the hydrogen into helium, and when the star goes supernova, it scatters that out around the universe, where it clumps together and forms a second-generation star, which performs other reactions and fuses that helium into something else. And over... Billions of years, you end up with enough other stuff floating around that it clumps together and forms a planet.
0: So that is so wow! That wow! You just co- uh, co- you just condensed the whole pro- whole process into a few sentences. That's amazing. Yeah,
1: it's a relatively simple concept. It's just on an absolutely massive scale.
0: So, what, so, so how many light years is this um star, uh, the Curiosity?
1: The oxygen they found. Yeah. Uh, in the galaxy max blah 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 is 13.3 billion years away
0: wow oh yeah that's um, so it now within the uh, yeah emitted yeah. almost yeah billion years ago or well, so yeah.
1: that puts a 13.3 billion light year yeah, measurement using wow. which means that they now have confirmed that because of the speed of light nothing can travel faster than light the easiest way to get an approximate age of the universe is to look at the furthest away thing we can see and measure how far away it is, then you can calculate the age of the universe based on that, because yeah. the speed of light tells you how far that light would have traveled. So if we can see something, then what we're seeing is that thing as it was 13 billion years ago. So we're seeing this, this oxygen might not even exist anymore. It might have formed into a planet or a star. But we're seeing it as it was 13 billion years ago when the light left it and started traveling to us.
0: So, 13 point, 13.3 billion. That's a mind boggling number.
1: Yeah. And the interesting thing is about it that um, it suggests that star formation started earlier than anyone thought. It means that it, uh, the article says that the stars began forming 250 million years after the Big Bang. So that's how long it takes for a cloud of hydrogen to collect and condense a star after a big bang happened.
0: So, so basically, the big bang is the birth of the. So, it's, but the big bang is not really the birth of the star. Per
1: no, say. the big bang is the birth of everything. It uh, there's a couple of different theories for how it happened, and I'm not sure which is prevailing at the moment. But the big bang is basically year zero for the universe, and it scattered hydrogen around. Which then turned into stars at about 250 million years after the Big Bang.
0: So, is that the so the approximate age of the universe right now would be 250 million years?
1: No, uh, that's 250 million years for when this oxygen that they've discovered was created. Okay. Uh, sorry, what was the question you asked? Were you asking about the age of oxygen or the age of the universe? Age of the universe. Yeah. So the oxygen is only 250 million years old. Uh, in the data that they've collected but it's gone on doing its own thing for the next 13.3 billion years and whatever's going on over there we're not going to have any idea for another 13.3 billion years
0: by then we'll be um, by, by then by then we'll be androids and uh hopefully <laughs> but this will be interesting um does this so with these types of discoveries do you reckon we will this will accelerate space travel as in um, no
1: not really this oh, really? is more about the structure of the universe than what we can do in it. It's uh, just correcting the date because, up until this discovery, there was an estimate of how long it took for the stars to form, which was longer than 250 million years. So they ended up recalculating that and got to 200. And yeah, that's, like
0: I said, this, the universe is an endless space to be discovered. It's just waiting to be discovered. Yeah. From all, from all this knowledge so far. And what amazes me is how the the images that I'm seeing right now they're much more clearer than the usual images well, we get from news articles from Hub, from the Hubble telescope.
1: That is actually a Hubble image that you're seeing there. They've taken a an image of Hub from Hubble. This uh, this image at the top of the article is Hubble Deep Field. Uh-huh. I believe it's the the new Deep Field photo. They basically pointed the Hubble telescope at a section of sky the size of a a stamp, I think, a postage stamp, and took this absolutely stunning photo and discovered like hundreds of galaxies. It's one of my favorite pictures. And then they Mm -hmm. did it again a few years later when they put a new camera in the Hubble and got an even bigger and better image. And And then they've uh, overlaid the red part of the image, a, a representation of what they can detect with the uh alma telescopes
0: that'll be uh, the, uh, the image looks spectacular yeah you reckon we'll we'll, we'll get more of these sat- more of these antennas in the near future
1: yeah well uh if square kilometer array is still going ahead we'll check they're going to build an even bigger array with uh, square kilometer array. and the thing is we don't even need to stop there we can build hundreds of basically satellites and launch them into space and have an even bigger one
0: on the downside would be the, you, you you get a lot of um a lot of astronomers um uh, going hey I see another telescope oh I see another telescope oh I see
1: another <laughs> telescope it's pretty standard though They um you see satellites like uh, if you go out at the right time of night when the satellites have, you just see dozens of them passing past if you use a sky tracker they're everywhere
0: must be annoying must be annoying for the astronomers when they look up and look up seeing every tele- every satellite known to man just going.
1: Not really. It only takes uh, a few seconds for them to get out of your field of view They move quite quickly. Oh. Unless they're uh, they're GPS satellites, which are geostationary, but you can look around them fairly easily. It's not, not a big issue in the scale of the universe. They're tiny and really not even.
0: Well, I, I, and and maybe with these arrays, uh, we can, it can be operated remotely, hopefully in the near future as well.
1: Well, that's the, the design of it.
0: Oh, nice. Nice.
1: And, uh, I just brought up the square kilometer array site. It looks like they're still picking between Australia and Africa.
0: So for the location or for the yeah uh,
1: for the location.
0: Who's operating it?
1: Um, it's probably being operated by. Uh, you know, I'll just look that up. Don't know
0: because um, From what I've gathered, there is one from this. This article is from the it's from the Japan University. Osaka.
1: The, the, uh, the first stars one. Yeah, the first stars yeah, that's one. that's not is... uh, related to SKA, though. Uh, the SKA organization looks like it's a, a global organization of scientists who science departments who are working to create a bloody great telescope for <laughs> the International Union of Radio Science. They founded the uh, the SKA project. Huh.
0: So it's a, it's a global initiative. Yeah. Much, so it's much like the uh, International Space
1: Station. Kind of, but with even more participation. And they've picked um well they've got trial programs running in Australia at the moment because we have so much land that isn't contaminated by light or radio pollution.
0: I think I think this will ha- this type this type of technology has potential potential. Yeah. It it can with advances in technology recently, it's it can I hope it does a lot better. I I have faith that it will do a lot better.
1: Yeah, it um looks like they're holding the final review this year. So if they um approve that it looks like it'll go ahead and they'll start developing the full-sized project
0: how big uh, have they said like what's if they done the schematics on how big the full size is going to be
1: well it's uh called the square kilometer array but I have no idea how big that's gonna be
0: yeah uh, from what I've gathered I'm looking at the site as well the five hundred. all they're saying is uh, that tw- uh, 500 engineers and scientists from 20 countries consortium
1: oh I uh might have misunderstood it actually um it's not being uh decided between australia and africa they're building two ska units one in south africa and one in australia oh so i'm not sure if that means they need both of them to get the uh to get the full kilometer size well it'd
0: be well it'd be it'll be like two eyes and looking at looking at the sky that way two robotic eyes looking at Just
1: like yours.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of robotics, um, an interesting conference occurred in um, Brisbane this past week. It was the International Robotics Conference. Uh, It was um, showcasing all the uh, robots that were showcasing all the robots and attracted three thousand experts in the field. And. It's been, and this is, this is actually the the good thing about it is this is the first time in thirty five years in the thirty five years history of the event held in the southern hemisphere. Cool. And uh, the great thing about this is um, Queensland University of Technology is the leader in robotics research, and this and the home to the Australian Centre for Robotics Vision.
1: Yeah, we had um had a pretty good robots program when I was there.
0: Yeah. And some of the stuff they were they, they're showcased, um, uh including one to help clean up the save the Great Barrier Reef. Um,
1: oh, I like that. That one's a, a drone to hunt crown of thorns starfish.
0: Yeah, by killing by injecting and killing them with bile salt.
1: Yeah, that's uh, really cool because those things are absolutely nasty. Uh, they're really hard to kill.
0: Uh, so so basically, they're they're like the cane toad and the rabbit.
1: Yeah. Just they eat coral instead of everything else. <laughs>
0: uh, but still, I, I think this is a this is a good step just to just to um just to have just to have like a, a lot of experts come to the Southern Hemisphere and get like more opinions and ideas on robotics in general.
1: Yeah, it's it's nice to have a, a big convention like this here because we can have dozens of people here who don't have the opportunity to go to America or Europe to visit another and. means we're missing out on a bunch of talent
0: yeah yeah and the um they're saying is we also want to they're they're all saying they want to make it um user-friendly and targeting people with but who don't have a technical background such as students fishermen and management authorities so this is it's good to get people involved in general
1: yeah it's uh robot design is a big part of like a big part of robot design is speaking to the public and Finding out what they need and what you can help them with. because it doesn't help anyone if you build a robot that can't do the job. It doesn't.
0: And nowadays, people are get people are getting really savvy with um, outside the outside the classrooms for robotics. Yeah, this would be the best place to showcase their talent. Yeah. But um, having a look at the other robots. Uh, there's a reef protector. There was was also, um, uh, I guess, a keynote speech by uh, Professor Rodney Brooks, who was the guy behind the Roomba robotic vacuum cleaner, funnily enough.
1: Is uh, Professor Rodney an Australian?
0: Yes, yes, he is. Oh,
1: that's cool. We have a lot of uh, cool inventions coming out of Australia in the years. Wi-Fi is an Australian invention.
0: Yeah, yeah. What was the other? A lot of inventions came from Australia. What was the other one? Oh, you were saying? professor
1: i i did a short period of work at the csiro a few years back oh yeah it was a a summer scholarship program basically for people in like in between uni and one of the things i kept seeing was this shirt people were wearing that was uh like a band shirt with the tour dates on it except it had csiro's greatest hits and it had wi-fi uh grass resistant wheat all of the everything that CSIRO has done, written down with dates, like it's a band T-shirt.
0: Oh, I think I I, I see it. I I see it on uh, Google Images. There are some really good ones. I hear uh, here we are. Um, 1953 solar hot water system. Ultra, 1961 ultrasound scanner. Wi-Fi. 1982 uh, the wasp. For those who uh, don't know, the wasp is an invention. I can one second was that one.
1: You, know, you heard about the WASP, didn't you? Didn't you um, yeah, Professor? I know the name. It's uh, not quite coming to mind yet, though.
0: I also remember I, it was a night. Nine-
1: Here it is. It's part of uh, automating the mining. Oh, nice. A WASP sensor is uh, radios. It's called WASP because it's a wireless ad hoc system for positioning. So looks to me just giving this article. It's a, a tracker for the the miners. So if there's a collapse, you can track where they are and find them.
0: Again. Ah, nice, nice. So our invention could could have been would be useful when with those Chilean miners a while back. Yeah,
1: and um, yes, these government science organisations produce some absolutely amazing stuff. This was actually the Wasp was developed at a, uh, QCAT, which is where I was working. What? And out the back, they had this mining equipment that had been set up for, like, self-driving and stuff.
0: I'll uh, post it up the uh, the link to the image yeah. of the uh, greatest hits. Here's uh, it, it another interesting thing about it. Plastic banknotes came out in 1988.
1: Yep. And Canada only just brought them in a couple of years back. <laughs> I don't know if that's patents or anything, but they are amazingly secure compared to what the US used.
0: uh Paper money.
1: Yeah. I don't know compared to most other countries, but the U.S. paper money is not, not suitable.
0: It's, not, it's easily counterfeitable as well. Yeah. Uh, but CSIRO has done some pretty, pretty wild things. Um, I used to myself work at CSIRO at one stage, and I was in a different division, which was the water quality, water quality division. And it was fun just testing out water qualities of, of people's um, water tanks during the drought era, during the recent drought. Couple of years and telling them that they have animal in their water tanks, they should. Oh, uh,
1: lovely! <laughs> yeah, everyone says they like the taste of the taste of rain t- water tank water, but that that that's a very subtle taste. It's an acquired taste formed from the corpses of rotting possums, bat shit, <laughs> leaves, birds, <But laughs> yeah,
0: but, uh, anything that can crawl into a water tank, basically. Pretty much. Although they remember how they how they um, envis- envisage the idea of um, recycled water, and many people were saying no to that idea.
1: Yeah, even though it's significantly cleaner than any other water treatment. Hey,
0: I, I was originally I was originally born in a country where recycled water is a thing, and it's still a thing. And it was it was yeah. so much nicer to drink.
1: It's not going anywhere. It's a great system. It does the job yeah. better than almost anything else.
0: Yeah, yeah. But um yeah, but back to what, what I was talking about. So yeah, the CSIRO when it comes to te- developing technologies and scientific methodologies, um, they're gr- it's a great organisation to work for.
1: Yeah, the world leaders.
0: Yeah, well, world leaders until governments come in and do some crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Which will that will that be and another next
1: de- topic? Ignore the politics. <laughs>
0: Next up, uh, but speaking of scientific organizations, uh, Princeton have uh, come up with have um, have interact done some interaction with gamers to do brain mapping. This was your topic as well, Professor.
1: I love these. This is basically a a program they put out. It's a browser based program that lets you solve puzzles and work out how the brain is mapped. So it's it's grunt work that they need to get done, but they these days they're doing a lot of it by outsourcing it to just your average person. Hmm. Actually, uh, I'll bring it up later when we talk about the stargazing, but there's a project that they were pushing there during that, which is the same sort of idea, but uh, citizen science, because there's just no way to get enough scientists and pay them enough to do all the work they need to do. And then they put together these these little games and let people screw around in them and come up with new arrangements and you basically got so many people playing you can get so many permutations on it and you take the ones that match and throw out the ones that are obviously someone gaming them or hacking or whatever and you can come up with some really good scientific data
0: yeah didn't they do a similar system to this a couple of years back as far as uh, called
1: for what uh, um, field? it was it was. i think it was for
0: microbiology
1: probably it's uh a big thing these really took off in the last couple of years. Wait a second.
0: Um yeah, it was in twenty eleven. It was a microbiology puzzle. Okay. So let me load it up. This is the right. But it was similar it was a similar sort of concept.
1: Yeah, that looks familiar. There's uh, quite a few of them if you know where to look. You find these and they're great just for wasting a few minutes while you're watching T V or whatever.
0: Yeah yeah and there was another one I think that's the same one for the monkey there was a monkey virus um sorry
1: a monkey virus
0: a game of soul monkey virus puzzle okay I think that's the same game as well so yeah but yeah it's it's cool to get like um the it's cool to get guys um the average person to um get involved in the get involved in the scientific field
1: absolutely and hopefully a few people will play this and realize like it'll give them the spark they need to go into. Hard science.
0: Yeah, and the it bright side with
1: a few more of them.
0: <laughs> the bright side is they don't have to go into a a, a certain dodgy lab and uh, get paid uh, a couple of uh, fifty dollars and get subjected to weird drugs.
1: Hey, that's not that weird. <laughs> no, actually, I've never done any.
0: Oh, uh, I think in America it's a big thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think they pay you for it here. They can't really. They can't really pay you for that sort of stuff because that's a, a conflict of interest. Oh, but yeah. Here, I've been a part of uh, like a guinea pig for some studies into game design. I noticed that um, they'll usually have a like a bit of a lottery draw. They'll give you a fifty dollars iTunes card or something. Huh.
0: Ah, so that's better than nothing. Yeah, probably. yeah, it's a downside to it. Downside. Uh, but do you think this? Will, but then the pro- my my biggest fear though when it comes to Citizen scientists, I, I will also ask, is the whole, um, where do they get, where do these citizen scientists get their information from? Is it off the, off, from
1: off... actual scientists? What a citizen scientist is, is someone who helps provide data. So if they go out walking and they see a koala, then they can log the koala and use that as a net for population size. Or if they play this game, they come up with new layouts for brain cells. So,
0: uh, that sounds like a, that sounds, that'd
1: be a great yeah. job. Great job. Uh, it would be, I reckon. Like, okay. it's the sort of thing I think would um, be fun to do as a game, but not as a job.
0: I think the ABC, I think um, the ABCF are looking for, are looking for Citizen side if my memory serves me right. Or
1: I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I'll bring it up now. They were holding a sort of competition over the last few days with the, the Stargazing competition, their world record attempt. They were pushing a one of these citizen science projects to discover neutron uh was it neutron stars supernovas that's it so people were looking for supernovas in images of uh space that were taken by a telescope at some point and when they found one they would mark it as contained supernova and once they get enough confirmation and uh, they can log it and over the two days well over the Four days at the stargazing, they found two supernovas and came up with uh, their own estimate of the age of the universe.
0: So, as I, I as I heard that they might revert, revise the age of the universe, apparently as a result,
1: yeah, only slightly.
0: When they say only slightly, are they meaning by a few million years or by five hundred million
1: years? Ah, <laughs> I think okay. it was five hundred million years.
0: Yeah, that's a rough estimate I've heard as well for about five hundred million. But yeah, five hundred uh, uh, about five hundred thousand years. Oh. So in other words, the cosmos appears to be thirteen billion seven hundred and ninety-eight million one hundred fifty thousand five hundred years old, give or take, instead of thirteen billion seven hundred seven million six hundred six six hundred sixty-four six hundred sixteen thousand sixty-four. Though it's a very rough guess, a
1: rough calculation. And tying into the first stars thing, that uh, that's older than the, the numbers we were quoting earlier, because that's the actual age since the Big Bang, not okay. the age that stars form.
0: Oh, but that, that, we will never. I, I think within our lifetimes, we will never know the the real age of the universe.
1: Well, it's just going to keep getting extended backwards.
0: <laughs> no, I bet you. Imagine if one day it becomes extended backwards to the point where the Bible was right. That would
1: be impossible.
0: We're like, we're because the uh,
1: the age of the universe, as calculated by people who read the Bible, is six thousand years old, uh, yeah and we're yeah. already well beyond that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So, thanks to carbon yeah. dating and other yeah. scientific methodologies. We're, six thousand
1: years is a blink in the age. Of the
0: yeah, yeah, definitely, like definitely. Our solar
1: system is four and a half billion years old.
0: Four and a half. I I, yeah. I was. I was guessing um much I was guessing a much more smaller number, but wow, four and a half billion years. That's
1: yeah, that's the uh, the age of the sun, and you can basically the age of the planets as well, because the sun and the planets all formed out of the same gas cloud.
0: Yeah. Um. So with this whole um with with using gamers um with the use of gamers, they have now intru- They've now been also put into a, a biodiversity project.
1: Is this another citizen science initiative?
0: It is. So there you. So basically, the gamers are used. Um, so these gamers are driven by citizen scientists by mapping biodiversity, discovering new species, and averting biosecurity risks by. By um, using apps to collect data for research, so they're basically these mobile apps uh, challenge players to take photos, identify plants, and um give it to the science, give it to the scientists through data via data. Cool. And it's by it's Australian. It's funny enough, it's Australian. It's made by an Australian startup company called Questagame. Game, and as um I've, I'm seeing it now, it's growing by twenty five percent each month. So that's a lot of people getting yeah. involved into this so this is like pokemon go but for science
1: nowhere near that popular though no nah, yeah <laughs> yes if, this is um the sort of thing i was talking about with counting koalas they're sending people out like just average people going out in the field and recording what and actual scientists can then go and analyze that data and come up with findings
0: yeah and, and it's pretty good It's i think it's a good way to get people get people out of the couches and into the into the fresh air yeah but the uh, uh, but the interesting discovery with the with this app was um they found a wasp, wasp pest threat yeah wasp threat where one player found a wasp that nobody seemed to identify in Australia but an international expert identified it and it saved Australia.
1: So this is a, a immigrant what's the yeah. I can't remember the term off the top of my head for an animal that travels invasive invasive yeah. So it's an invasive wasp, and this it was found by people playing this game.
0: Yeah, yeah. They identified this threat, and it's never been recorded in that part of Australia before.
1: Oh, and it, uh, looking at this, they found a couple of new species and got only the second photo of a particular bird, the Bhutan. Huh.
0: This is actually, it's, it's quite amazing how you've got, science has evolved into ga-
1: into gaming. It's called uh, gamification. It's been a concept for many years but we are now seeing it actually come into effect as a force and right it's based around the concept of taking your average average task and making it like a game so enjoy doing it.
0: So do you reckon this this um this takes out the whole um choosing going giving out surveys to people and saying would you like to join us in this thing would you reckon that type of methodology will slowly...
1: I don't think gamification is suited to replace that. I think what it is good at replacing is stuff that training. If you make a game where you operate the factory line instead of having to actually just sit through a lecture and then go out on the factory line and work from memory, that's a really good way to gamify a training. Or this, um, these protein folding and star finding game that we're talking about are really good ways to make sure that to make sure that people get the get work done, but also making it fun for players.
0: Yeah, well, like I said, the well, then the downside with all these get with all the, all these scientific games is you don't get prizes though. That's the unfortunate. Imagine like getting no. like
1: well, some of them do have uh, like a lottery prize or rewards that you can earn. And there is uh, another thing that I do that is related. I run Boink Computer, which is a program, the Berkeley Open Initiative for Network. Oh yeah, it is Distributed computing, uh the Berkeley organization that runs it sends data packets to people who run the software, and those people do the the processing of the data packet and send it back. It got started to run the SETI because so much data comes in from the Arecibo telescope. Again, in uh, again. Actually I think the Arecibo was actually the one that's in Golden. Wait,
0: Arecibo, I've heard that name before. It's I think that is yes, Golden, but yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's the telescope that they were using for SETI and it collects truck literal truckloads of data. The internet speed is too slow, so what they do is load it into a a truck and then deliver it to a place that has fast enough internet with the data. And that uh so they record the the data um, uh, sorry, actually, the Arecibo Telescope is not near the uh, Atacama, somewhere else. But uh, they record the data, put it on a truck, ship it to... They might even ship it all the way to Berkeley, I can't remember. But then they upload it to the internet, send, process it in the data packets, send out the data packets. I process the data packet and send it back to them. And once enough people do the data packet and confirm that it's accurate, I get a points, like magic internet point. Huh. But some people have... Taken that and combined it with magic internet money, Bitcoin, to come up with something called Gridcoin, where you get paid to do this processing. Only a very small amount, but it, um, you Passable, can get paid always. to. Oh, uh, I get paid, uh, when I, when I was doing this regularly, I got paid about five Gridcoin a day, which at current prices is about 50 cents, I think. Ah, check the price chart.
0: Oh, while he's checking the uh, price chart, here's some interesting facts about the Arecibo telescope. Yes, you were right, Professor. This was in GoldenEye. Uh, but there were other movies... It was involved in other movies, such as Contact. Um, one about the uh, the woman in-, in the pod going to a different dimension. It was also featured in The X-Files. Um, the, C- the TV series little in-, in an episode called Little Green Men uh species um I was also involved in that movie and it was also involved in a grid in battlefield 4 the game well inspired by the observatory but
1: yeah it, and it it's rich, in yeah. just cause 2
0: yeah 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 it's so such a it.
1: dramatic imposing design yeah oh, I've, man. I've uh pulled up the price charts and five grid coin is about 25 australian cents
0: wow so that's not my. Ma- that's yeah. that's nothing
1: no Honestly, not nowhere near profitable, but But it is nice to get a little bit of something for doing scientific work.
0: Yeah. Well, science does require sacrifice. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, speaking of science, um... again, oh, yeah, again, had
1: science, <laughs> been... science, science. This
0: has been a, a lot. This a lot. Science, this is a science episode. <laughs> speaking of science, yep. though, um, there was something about um, sperm whales recently. Um, a lot of sperm whales have been going, been dying off, and no,
1: actually, you read that wrong. The article was about a extinction event that happened 100,000 years ago that killed off most of the sperm whale. Uh-huh. If you look back at the genetic line of different creatures, you can find out where there was a bottleneck in their their evolution, where most of them were killed off by something. So yeah. in this case, they've done the calculation and come up with a... They've estimated about 10,000 whales about 100,000 years ago, which was in the middle of an ice age.
0: Yeah, saying something. Is, is this is so about the sperm whales, my... Might...
1: Yeah, and... and then we you know, miswipe them out again or <laughs> well, not so much a sperm whale but other species
0: uh, but they're saying it's it's a genetic they're, they're, the sperm whales themselves are a genetic puzzle so yeah, well,
1: the, what the puzzle they're talking about is that their genetic diversity is so low even though they're able to spread so far and diverse areas because uh, with that much genetic spread what should be happening is a fairly high genetic diversity
0: yeah. No muta- Then there'd be less chance of mutations as well.
1: Well, since they can breed together, like a sperm whale from the Atlantic can breed with one from the Pacific, what would happen is that the mutations spread out among the entire world population, as opposed to if, uh, if the Atlantic whales had a mutation that prevented them from breeding Pacific whales, we'd see them split into two branches.
0: But is this a sign, though, that we're seeing, we might possibly see the sperm whale... It getting endangered in about 20-odd years? Or uh, this been...
1: Currently, there's 360,000 sperm whales, all descended from that one population of 10,000 whales. And that's uh, a fairly... I believe that's a fairly decently healthy population for whales. I don't think they're going to go extinct, especially now that whaling has stopped being... Well, it depends which country, though.
0: Effort.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but even Japan and Norway and the few other countries that do whaling are really only taking a very small amount
0: I guess so, but um, with wh- with the um, whaling population, if if my memory se- with my, with whaling, my memory serves me right. There was um the whaling the whaling federation, international whaling, the, uh, the federation that oversees the whole whaling. They did a it, it was initially saying they did they say no whaling, and then Japan bypassed it by saying they're doing it for scientific inverted commas yeah. purposes.
1: <laughs> and there's small populations of Inuits and other. Arctic dwellers who are allowed to hunt whales because that's their their history, their uh, their culture. Yeah. And because the population is so small, they take a couple of whales a year. So what in the grand scheme?
0: It's the International Whaling Commission. Cool. Okay. So currently Japan, Russia, and other nations oppose this monitorium, and it's basically saying that their main duty is to keep under uh, keep under review and revise the certain measures to, that lay down the schedule, blah, blah, blah. Um, set limits on number and sizes of whales may which may be taken prescribed open and closed seasons um, and prohibit the capture of suckling calves and female whales accompanied by calf.
1: Okay, so basic conservation effort.
0: Yeah. Uh the last meeting was in
1: 2014 in Slovenia. Slovenia? Why Slovenia? I thought that was landlocked. Um, no, maybe they're not.
0: Yeah, no, actually, they're... they're um...
1: So 2014... Yeah, they have a very, uh, very small seaway.
0: 2014 was Slovenia. Then um, if you go... Th- and then they did... 2016 was also in Slovenia. Mostly Slovenia. 2014 was Slovenia. Then they went to Slovenia again. Then it was at uh, San Diego. And then
1: Slovenia. Oh, Slovenia is wow. the place to be. That's uh, an interesting choice. I wonder <laughs> if it's because it's fairly central for... Uh, the Nordic countries, Russia, Japan, uh, you could get more central, I guess. But I wonder if that's the, um, the, the reason why they picked Slovenia. Yeah. So yes, yeah. I don't know there were whales in the Mediterranean. Uh, know, I'm not a whale expert.
0: Well, none of us are whale experts. But, but wait, minky but uh, would minky whales?
1: No, they're a southern whale. Okay, we have a northern and a southern. Oh,
0: uh, that's a be interesting. Oh, yeah, there's the common minky whale and the Antarctic whale.
1: Yeah. And uh, they do live in the far north. They were discovered by a Danish guy. Ah, oh, so nice. looks like it's um, could have been, but any, yes, there are whales in the Mediterranean. I've got an article here I'll put in the for you to put in the show notes. Oh, yeah. A documentary was released in 2008 about the whales in the Mediterranean. It's pretty crazy that sperm whales live in the Mediterranean, such a, uh, a shallow ocean, and sperm whales dive way down and have fights with giant squid.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think their main diet involves um, krill and dolphin and seal. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm,
1: pretty uh, uh, cushy life being around sperm whales as long as you're not krill, dolphin, or seal.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if only, if only mermaids so would eat. That's what
1: the, the sperm whales eat, right? Is that what you're saying?
0: So, uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah and giant wait, squid occasion
0: krill. Wait, the sperm whale diet. Uh, it's, I think that's the general whale diet. Oh, well, yes.
1: no, that's baleen whales. Sperm whales have teeth. Baleen whales have bristly hair. They, instead of teeth, they have basically mats of the hair that they can use to make a filter.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm they, they scoop well. up a mouthful of water, uh, close their mouth and basically grit their teeth in the form of a baleen plate, which is the hairy bit, and then squeeze the water out so they're left with a mouthful of krill. So
0: similar to humpback whales as well.
1: Well, a humpback is, uh, I believe that's a baleen, so yes. Yeah. But sperm whales can actually go and hunt things.
0: Uh, just looking at here. Um, sperm whales can die for over an hour. Giant squid comprise of 80% of the sperm whale's diet. And the remaining 20% is comprised of octopus, fish, shrimp, crab, and even small bottom living sharks.
1: My favorite thing about the, uh, the sperm whales is when they come up and they've got like sucker marks and hooks stuck in from giant squid. And it's like, we have not seen anything that big before. There is some seriously big squid down there. I'm not going into the ocean anymore.
0: <laughs> oh and then the sperm whale and then the sperm whales are like yeah i I've, I've fought this guy this guy's nothing yeah oh, the, oh the, it's it's like I, I i'm having this picture like the sperm whales as like the can, the canary before you go into a dangerous mine you get the canary out
1: and send it in to go and eat all the giant yeah. squid
0: yep <laughs> <laughs> just, just go like okay sperm whale it's your turn <laughs> And they come and it comes back as like yeah, good good boy, good boy. Oh, that would be imagine having a sperm whale as a pet. You wouldn't bit... want
1: to have to dispose of the body. <laughs> I've been around dead whales and they are not pleasant.
0: Oh, oh, that, oh, being a dead whale. I think I saw a documentary a long, long time ago how a town tried to um to dispose of. Yeah, yeah. And it was horrifically bad.
1: And I crushed the car. Yep. <laughs> just chunks of whale raining from the sky.
0: Oh, oh that it would was have been terrible. How much gunpowder did they use that thing again? It was just.
1: It uh, would have been TNT or something.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, it was T. Tea... I think it was TNT. Whale blown. It was a. It was a very frightening experience when you see the whole whale just turn from one big mass of meat to. Wow, it's gone. <laughs>
1: it's just mm-hmm. vaporised. That's why they usually bury them.
0: So that so they don't um get the floating whale.
1: They don't get the what? Uh,
0: so they don't so they don't um get the trawlers to um bury them out into the
1: sea. No, I've never heard of them doing that. I think it would be a waste of effort. What yeah. I've seen though is uh when I had the lovely experience of meeting a dead whale, was they pulled out a, a bulldozer and dug up the. The beach pushed it in oh, this man. was on a, a small beach somewhere on uh the south coast south australia victoria maybe i think might have been tasmania either way <laughs> it's uh they basically put it in a hole and covered it with sand and the uh the bulldozer driver was upset because bulldozer <laughs> hit it covered cover rotting whale j-
0: oh speak, <coughs> uh, speaking of exploding a whale this um so it was it was in Oregon, at Florence, yeah. Oregon, in 1970, where a dead sperm whale, reported to be a gray whale, was blown up using dynamite. Didn't say how how um how much dynamite they used, but
1: too much. <laughs> yeah, too
0: much. It's um,
1: Paul Jennings' story as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. I think it was um it, it was um hamburgris. Yeah, hamburgers? it was
1: about uh, yes,
0: that's which a Which is life. a
1: substance that dead whale no well, sperm whales make really good in perfume
0: yes, so yes. The part of
1: that book was basically kid had to crawl into the whale's stomach to plant the the dynamite and yeah. when they blew it up his um caravan got hit by a chunk of ambergris
0: <laughs> uh, i think i also remember his wa- he had a watch he had a uh, watch and his yeah. watch was trapped in the whale <laughs> oh. Yeah, it came off in
1: the whale and got stuck in the ambergris
0: Yeah, and he found it, Uh, but yeah, with the the, um, explosion um, in in Oregon, it threw whale flesh over 800 feet away, (laughs) and this was, another interesting one in terms of exploding whales, um, in Taiwan in 2004, there was a case of a spontaneously bursting whale carcass. And it um the buildup of gas inside a decomposing wo- sperm well caused it to burst into a crowded urban area where it's being while well, it's being transported to post mortem.
1: <laughs> so they had it like on a truck.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Oh man. Oh that that smell
1: that <laughs> doesn't wash your
0: Oh no <laughs> it, it will take a long, long time. Oh uh, here it is. Um so it, another it was a it was one well-known explosion, exploded result of natural cause, build up of gas. Da, da, da. It was later determined that the whale had most likely been struck by a large shipping vessel, damaged the spine. Uh yeah. so it, it, it was beached. It took three cranes and fifty workers more than thirteen hours to shift the whale onto the back of the truck. Mm-hmm. And so Those while the was
1: because they spent a bunch of time running away to vomit,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh Taiwan news reported that while the whale was being moved, a large crowd more than six hundred people uh ar- along along with um, vendors selling vendors selling snack food and hot drinks braved the cold temperature to watch the workmen try to haul the dead whale <laughs> six hundred people. Uh, the burst, uh, so the burst whale splattered blood and entrails all over surrounding shop fronts and cars. The explosion did not, have, however, cause injuries or prevent researchers from performing a necrop- necropsy necrops- on the animal. <laughs> oh man, that would have been horrible!
1: Yeah. Very unpleasant.
0: Oh yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, shall we move on? Sh- shall we yeah, move, on like before... move on? Yes, let's move on. Before the I central... remember
1: the smell of the whale and the cuttlefish.
0: <laughs> oh. Okay. So on a lighter, um, so seems um on a lighter note, it seems that Netflix will be having more star power in, in um added in the na- in the form of the Obamas. And... Are they
1: really stars. Oh. Like, yeah. not that I'm saying they're bad. politicians or anything, any, but a politician's really stars. Maybe Ronald Reagan because he was an actor first, but I feel like stars should be reserved really for actors and creative.
0: Well, if you put well, if you put it this way. Put it this way though. Barack Obama, bef- he was he he's been in numerous comic Marvel comic books. If only Buck was here, <laughs> Buck would be bashing that uh, bashing that top. i do part. it for you,
1: you bloody Marvel morons and bloody Marvel hippies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was he was featured in Marvel comics. He I think he did a cameo appearances in a couple of TV shows. Um he was he they were, they were trying to make an Obama um, bi- biography movie at, at some stage. I love when... that he
1: just embraces. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. When he was in the, the White House, every now and then they do a... I don't know if it was for the White House Correspondents' Dinner or something, but they do skits.
0: Yeah. There's yeah. a
1: couple of them on YouTube. Like uh, There's one where he, he has a, a great big biscuit, chocolate chip <laughs> biscuit, not a cookie, America, biscuit, <laughs> and he goes to dip it in his glass of milk, but it won't fit. He's just like, it's too big. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> and another one where uh, they have him running a lap of the White House with Joe Biden, and he uh, gets back inside. And he's like, "How long did it take me? Ten minutes? Was I fast? No, nah, I pushed it nine <laughs> yeah. 11
0: uh, But the other thing with Ob- with the Obamas, though, Michelle Obama has been more. She was also more active in terms of she was. Yeah, a-
1: she had the big health program.
0: Yeah, and the, also the uh, and I think the Obamas will also have the Easter um, book readathon as well.
1: Okay, and, like the one we used to have before it got cancelled.
0: Yeah. Um. What else? But and also Michelle Obama would be in a, in a lot of talk shows as well, like Colbert, Kimmel. I think Letterman on stage. Okay. But yeah. Um. But the Obamas. Um. They're. So what's happening? That what's happening is that Netflix are partnering with Barack and Michelle Obama to produce inspiring TV shows and films. So oh, this is this will be interesting. This will be interesting. Barack, Barack, the Obama is it the Obama brand getting
1: enhanced by Netflix? I see it more as them enhancing Netflix. Like they don't have to do it. They have a, a good pension, president. It's one of those things, they're just passionate about education, which is why they're doing this.
0: Yeah, but before Obama became president, he was still famous, though. Like how um, they, when Obama went to England, uh, was it president or before president? He went to Europe, and many Europeans think, thought of Obama as JFK, as like uh, a hip version of JFK.
1: Yeah, unlike uh, Trump, who some European countries are trying to ban.
0: <laughs> but this is fu- th- that's a funny thing though obama is doing th- doing trump in the reverse way <laughs> in, in like from president to tv star it's the tv star the president so <laughs> yeah but um this what, what they're basically saying is that they're um they want to cr- their content will aim to inspire hope and change God, that sounds like a political slogan already. Didn't that didn't... was
1: basically his political slogan? <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, and so they've um, created a production company to create this content called Higher Ground Production. Because, uh, and the motto is, "When they go low, we go high."
1: What does that mean?
0: Uh, I, I think that's the, that's the. the um, I think it's basically saying, "Oh yeah, we um, we can do better" or something. But okay. But yeah, I don't know, is, is, is this kind of like Obama trying, I know it's its basically the Obama brand getting enhanced with Netflix, but you reckon people are, are going to buy it
1: though? Yeah, I don't see why people wouldn't be happy with Netflix doing this. I mean, apart from the Trump supporters within the article, Yeah. <laughs> but they're doing it out of a love for education. So yeah. I don't see why most people would have a problem with that.
0: Well, they're saying here it's uh, well, well, it's a multi-agreement. It's they're gonna, they might do like debates as well. So they'll be doing like okay. debates and documentaries and and um maybe a couple of TV show, a couple of movies as well. So yeah, I I just I just think like people are saying like, oh, this is um ideal, identity politics again, which I think yeah, it's... just
1: ignore those people. But i uh... just trying to make politics certain places where it doesn't need to be.
0: Yeah, I agree with him. Although uh, I am, I, I I will say this though, there are a couple of besides the Obamas getting um, into Netflix. Um, a very known creator is also getting involved into Netflix, as we discovered earlier this week. Um, Matt Groening from the Simpsons. Yes, it's...
1: Disenchanted. I'm so excited. See, I, <laughs> I, I know. in, Ugh. you know that old thing where they say it's X in space. Yeah. It's like the opposite of that. <laughs> Futurama in medieval time.
0: <laughs> so does that mean we get the same old cast and Zoidberg in the new series as well? No,
1: a new cast, but uh, it seems to have a lot of the same style. The uh, the art, I think Matt Groening does all the the character designs himself. But the art is uh, very obviously his. Uh, the character. Uh, pretty similar i'm pretty sure it's been a while since i read the article but i'm pretty sure one of them was a drunk or that sort of stuff um, i think it's going to be pretty similar to future armor setting
0: although well, the my, my my concern is are they going to do like what 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 they did with future armor and there's cancel it bring it back cancel it
1: bring it back cancel it bring it back no i think they've learned that lesson by now
0: Oh, there are some. There are some voice actors that are also in the um, in this show, like Billy West. He's oh, the...
1: what a stupid name. <laughs> I know, I know. He's
0: the guy that did Fry, Farnsworth, Zoidberg, and Zap and Futurama. You no, know,
1: look at this again. The uh, the elf character almost looks like almost looks like Billy West. Elfo. not uh, Billy West. Uh, Fry. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it does sound like Fry.
1: Well, it looks like him. I mean, I don't know why. It's just the the facial structure, I guess. Yeah. Not great of faces.
0: But I, I I hope this um hope this series lasts long.
1: A hard drinking young princess named Bean. So we've got the Bender character, an elf companion <laughs> named Elfo. So we've got the Fry character, yep. and a personal demon named Lucy. That, um I don't know which Chichirama character that would mismatch. Uh, Lucy, a chaotic evil sort of one.
0: It's voiced by it's voiced by a man. <laughs> Yeah. Uh judging by his comedy styles, I reckon he would either be Who's the darkest character in the in the Futurama series? The dark comedy guy. I don't know,
1: there's a lot of them.
0: I think the professor might take dark comedy. Yeah.
1: It's... Or maybe or maybe Hubert. Nah, probably Mum. Oh yeah. Mum's one of the dark yeah. or, uh, I don't know, there's a whole lot of dark stuff that Jurama. The first episode is bloody suicide boots. (laughs)
0: Hey, speaking of suicide boots, though, I think that um, I did read an article once that the suicide boots are now a thing. They're now real.
1: Expect that's a design that hasn't actually been made because I feel like I would have heard about it if it was.
0: a second, if (coughs) I saw saw some, it was based in um, some, where it was, but um, uh, here we are suicide booth that. Will kill you with the press of a button. The device is called Sarko. Okay. And um, uh, Philip Nitschke, um showed this invention at the Amsterdam Funeral Expo.
1: Ah, uh, Amsterdam, that would <laughs> I must be about uh, assisted suicide in uh, Switzerland and Holland and the rest of the world. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I'm pretty hyped about this. Shit. Yeah. If it's anything like Futurama, it's going to work out well. <laughs>
0: uh huh. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, shall we um, head to the shout Yep. Cool. So, what do we have for shout outs? Uh, we, we, so, we, so, you did the So, the as I rec- yeah, you were yeah. a new part of the Just world Yeah.
1: I went out to the city, which is a, a wonderful spot to see the stars uh not great because there's so many lights around but at least we got a good look at the moon i borrowed a friend's telescope a refractive telescope and it was stunning uh so a reflector telescope so one of the big fancy ones and uh dr cole was there Uh, with dr cole oh that must have been great yeah i've met him a couple of times with book signings and stuff did you ever um, did you ever get a debate with him no um, you don't really get much time to talk he's a pretty busy guy but uh he called me his new B F F F,
0: best friend hey. forever. Hey. So um, I, it's I,
1: only two F's, not three F's, but you get
0: point. So, so I take it you, you and Dr. Carl will be exchanging numbers and um, to, uh, and exchanging for Facebook messages in the near future. Nah,
1: he calls everyone that.
0: if uh-huh. he hey, you
1: watch the uh, the stargazing live show last night, he uh, had a chat to someone, and he's like, "I'm my new BFF."
0: <laughs> everyone's my best friend from now yeah. on
1: he's a cool guy though yeah, but uh hard. the world record was seven and a half thousand people said in 2015 and we got over forty thousand people and they're still counting it
0: yeah i heard they're confirming
1: the, record, the like... uh yeah still confirming the exact count
0: oh that would be oh, imagine how many how many people you reckon the, the final number would be i give it 60k.
1: I honestly have no idea what to expect.
0: But I, I think this... I, I hope next year they break that record again.
1: Yeah. It's a yeah. cool concept. Yeah. Next time I'll... Um, I mostly went into the city because of the record and because I left it too late to organise my own thing. But uh, I did hold a stargazing camp a few years ago for my scout group. And it didn't work out because it rained all weekend. So I'd love to do that again.
0: Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought it was cool though. I imagine that... That'd be cool, Professor. Having your name... Say the professor, World rec- Guinness World Record attendee for stargazing. That'd be a great title.
1: Yeah, and I'm Times Person of the Year 2006. Really? <laughs> uh, yep. I have climbed one of the seven summits. Which one? Kosciuszko, the easy one.
0: Ah, oh, yeah, that's the.
1: I think they changed it a few years ago though, so <laughs> I'm not sure if I still count.
0: Ah, uh, but then, but then, will do the stargazing event though? uh when when you look when you said that um you saw some beautiful sights and um uh, was hitler on the moon
1: no i did not uh, see hitler on the moon
0: <laughs> hitler uh, is not on the moon <laughs> Which wasn't. is
1: our next topic <laughs> hitler is definitely not alive on the moon because some scientists and researchers have done a test and they've confirmed that the uh the evidence they have is of hitler's bodies that means that <laughs> hitler is not on the moon he is on earth in pieces because they only have part of his skull or something
0: oh where did they come up with this stuff like oh what was it all, all the conspiracy theories um we faked the moon landing 9 uh, so the 11
1: wouldn't see it, it's obvious yeah
0: uh hitler faking his death Earth.
1: yeah hitler running away to argentina yeah oh yeah that's a... is the most plausible one out of all of them because there's a bunch of other Nazis up in argentina
0: yeah, yeah, I remember The Simpsons doing a do, doing a funny um joke on hit on doing a lot of Hitler about him faking his death. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. Uh, but anyway. still, it's just crazy. Uh, but speaking of crazy though, E three twenty eighteen. That's gonna be a crazy, crazy. Event.
1: Ooh, crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm up here. <laughs> you know? We are hosting it though.
0: Yeah, we'll be doing we'll be um doing a live uh first ever live stream and. Yes. It, it's going to
1: be very very crazy because we'll publish be... a chart he's going to be attending we're looking to get some special guests including other members from the that's not canon podcast family
0: <clears throat> and and other and guests that you might have heard from our old episodes hopefully
1: yeah if we can get some of them back yeah. so we will be holding a sort of a viewing party although yeah. we'll be doing a not really a party either, because we're not going to be together. But uh, we that... will be doing one of those rebroadcasts with our own commentary. And we are looking at doing some entertainment between the shows.
0: Hopefully we'll, Hopefully, it will be us screaming at Dark Souls. Or maybe um, Cuphead.
1: Uh, please no.
0: <laughs> but sadly though, one person that might, uh, we might not see at we um, Total Biscuit.
1: Yes, shame. Yeah. He, as of recording, he passed away last night after his battle with cancer. Yeah,
0: how How long was his battle? For? Two or Very three long.
1: years. I think he was first diagnosed. I think a bit before Euphem maybe. It's been a, a while into it, but he was diagnosed with cancer. He said, you, cancer." He got better for a bit. He got worse for a bit. Got better. Got. Worse. And finally, they decided they couldn't keep him going because the um the treatment was having effect. Uh, we mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, and finally got him.
0: He was um uh, he got it on 24... it was uh twenty fourteen he got okay. the cancer. And then on uh, um yeah, his wife announced that his that uh, John Bain had died. That's pretty sad. Yeah.
1: Day, day three... Most people are being respectful, but I've seen a couple of people who are being absolutely nasty just because they disagree with some Please oh, don't do. Please oh, yeah. don't drag his wife into your stupid argument. Yeah. It's uh, a very hard time for his family, so everybody please do that.
0: Yeah, you, like you get people like Ian Miles Chong, for example. Yeah, let's uh, not
1: get into that. Just please. Yeah. He, he, should his be, yeah, he should be.
0: Yeah, he'd be remembered. He did a lot
1: for us as an industry. Inspire, the, genera-
0: inspire the generation of content creators. should be remembered for that, rather yeah. than. And all for
1: the- all of his consumer advocacy.
0: Yeah. Definitely, a guy like that. Go, uh, young... So, a
1: young. Yes. Especially just before E3, I loved his uh Snark Tank videos years ago. No, yeah.
0: What, what, do you what...
1: uh, remember those ones?
0: Uh, not to the best of my knowledge. Humor me. Basically,
1: uh, total biscuit making sarcastic comments about E3 presentation.
0: <laughs> but wait, don't oh, don't most YouTubers do that nowadays? Like Angry Joe and.
1: Yeah, the uh, <laughs> nerdcubed have a wank incident. <laughs> oh, no. A couple of years ago, uh, 2015, 2016, maybe, he um he did a, the first time he did an E3 stream, he burned himself out because he did every show and it was quite a big event that year. And by the last one, he was, um they were putting up little hashtags and captions and stuff. And one of them was have a wank for when someone came on and was being, you know, really wanky. He's a British guy, so that's <laughs> the implication from that. Um, yep. And eventually they turned it into a hashtag and got people tweeting it. And it it snowballed and became a trending tweet uh-huh. and hugely I think, insane. I think people I remember were one, tweeting the Pope.
0: Yeah, I think I remember f- um, one stand-up comedian was also making the the have a wank moment. I think I think it was Phil Drupe this on his on his old stand-up routines. Okay, the
1: um, the no cubed one was uh, a bit of a reference to the show Bottom. I think uh, shortly after that, he linked a video where it was uh, a scene from Bottom, one of the Bottom stage shows. Doing the have a wank chant, it's, uh,
0: But still, it's it's being all that's said and done.
1: insane.
0: <laughs> yeah, But that's uh, but that's uh, that's total biscuit for you. He was a he, while he while you may say hate, while you may love him or hate him, he was insane and he was great at his work.
1: Yeah, he's done amazing things.
0: Yeah. Uh. Anyways, on that note, the show. Okay. Uh. So, thank you for listening to the show. You can visit have had a us.
1: whale of a time.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> I knew that
1: yep, you were
0: gonna put yep, a whale yep, joke in yep. there. <laughs> oh, by the way, in our live stream, you're gonna hear a lot of this.
1: <laughs> I will have full control over muting anyone who takes a toe
0: <laughs> Okay. Oh I uh, know, I know that. Behave anyway,
1: DJ, behave.
0: <laughs> anyways, uh thank you for listening to the show. You can visit us at That's not <laughs> Productions website uh feel free to maybe buy uh you can email us at um nerds at g fan art and, um you can follow us on facebook on our like page at nerdsamalgamate amalgamate um you can also take on the on the go with the audio platforms itunes and all the sh- all the notes all the sh- links on this show will be posted on the show notes below anyways see you then see ya